1: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look forward to the events that will be making news in the days ahead. I'm Robert Miller. It may well be summer holiday time, but the earnings season hasn't stopped and uh, we've got some heavyweight outsourcing companies updating investors. We'll find out what to expect and how some of these UK companies with American business interests are faring over there. And we'll be examining the latest mergers and acquisitions craze that seems to have gripped both sides of the Atlantic. I'm joined by Robert Lee, the Times Industrial Editor and Commentator, Deirdre Hipwell, our Mergers and Acquisitions Correspondent, and on the line from New York, our US Business Editor, Alexandra Freen. A warm welcome to you all, and uh, Bob Lee, let's start with you. Serco, G4S, and Malfabeti, very much heavyweights, as we said, of the services sector. What do we expect?
0: They're all big companies, um, all companies that have had uh, some serious issues in uh, recent months and years. What can we expect from Serco? Well, what- They're in a massive transition. They've got a uh, newish chief executive, Rupert Soames, who came from Greco about uh, 15 months ago. He still hasn't sort of delivered on his plan, but he always said it was going to be a three-year job. What we will be looking for uh, next week is we, we need information on new work. We need information on what, where the margins are coming. Uh, he's promised to sell some businesses, which we need some uh, information on as well. And they just need to stop the, the high-profile issues um, that come up and, uh, and and ruin the profile of the company. I mean, one of those issues is uh, one of the US's businesses where they were involved in the uh, delivery of Obamacare. There's been a lot of criticism uh, of them over there. So from, from Circo are expecting some pretty serious information on, on how that recovery is coming. G4S is uh, coming out of their issues uh, a bit better. Uh, they're a much more international company. I mean, you remember that they've had issues with the delivery of the Olympics and, of course, and uh, those uh, electronic electronic tagging of, um, of prisoners and people going missing or what have you. They lost a certain amount of work in the UK with the with the government when there was a, a temporary uh, ban on them working for the government. But there's so much an international business that um, uh, there's a lot of businesses, a lot of markets for them to go into. And uh, again, they are they have a, a exposure in the US where they've been uh, involved in the guarding of uh, prisoners at Guantanamo Bay. And then the, the third of these large companies, not so much an outsource, but more a sort of construction company, uh, um, is Balfour Beatty. Which, in common with the other two, also has a fairly uh, new chief executive. They've had some serious issues. We've, we've talked. Uh, there's, there's been eight profit warnings from this company in two years, and the last one uh, even began to suggest that, uh, although we knew there were some issues in the in the UK construction businesses, there was some suggestion that there may be some issues of management to, in, in their US construction businesses as well. Infrastructure is uh, plainly going to be uh, a big market for Balfour Beatty in the coming years. You talk about HS2, Heathrow, if if indeed the the, uh, runway expansions at Heathrow, new highways and motorways and what have you. But in the short term, Balfour Beatty does have uh, uh, some issues to overcome.
2: Bob, Balfour Beatty was a takeover target last year and Carillion made a tilt and obviously it all um, came to nothing. Do you think it could be vulnerable um, again? And do you think the new um, CEO, Leo Quinn, is doing a good job?
0: It's definitely vulnerable uh, but would you buy a company at the moment where we actually don't know the depth of the loss of the, the construction business essentially this is a business which is uh, value at the moment at about 1.5 billion all of that is in its uh public-private partnership uh, investments. Uh, the construction business is actually being effectively valued at zero at the moment. But um, uh, if there's any sign of good news from Balfour Beatty, and it's going to have to come at some stage, uh, you'd think there'd be plenty of people uh, looking for them. There's been talk about perhaps Chinese companies, perhaps American companies. You never know. Carillion might even come again.
1: But Bob- All of these companies, it seems, talking in one way or another about it's infrastructure with Balfour Beatty or service contracts and different services to the government, how reliable is the government source of income given that they are still looking for so many
0: cuts? They would argue that that they're actually looking for cuts is good for the outsourcing industry because uh, those cuts can be delivered better in the private sector. The issue for uh, companies like Serco is that uh, can we actually trust them to deliver those uh, public service public services in the private sector? In many ways, Serco is sort of totemic for the outsourcing industry. A healthy Serco is a healthy outsourcing industry. But uh, you, you, you're right; those issues of uh, of, of the actual uh, whether we trust the outsourcing industry to deliver is uh, is another matter.
1: Alex, you're on the line in New York. What about the American situation? As Bob referred to, there all three companies have. An interest in, in, in American businesses over there including Obamacare Have there been severe cutbacks in public spending in America in the same way as here?
3: Not to nearly the same extent as in UK and the rest of Europe, of course There's been a lot of belt tightening But if you compare what's going on now with what happened immediately after the financial crisis when spending just ground to a halt You can see that there's a big improvement so there, there is, there's much more potential for growth in the infrastructure and public uh, work sector here um, than I would imagine there is in Europe. That's not to say that um, America is uh, you know, having a good time in the earnings seasons. We're now um, probably three-quarters of the way through the earnings seasons, and a lot of companies have seen very disappointing results. So um, it's difficult here, but there's not the same kind of mood of austerity that, that you get in the UK.
0: Hi, Alexis. Bob. I'm just wondering, how, how are British companies like Circo and G4S and Balfabedia, how, how are they received in the US? Do they have uh, uh, either much of a profile or are they received well?
3: Well, I, I have a different view on this to a lot a lot of my colleagues here in the U.S. And one of the things I like about Americans is that they are really agnostic as to where a company comes from. And I would even argue that they, they, they didn't even criticize BP for being British. Some people say they did, but really they, they, they just criticized BP for being incompetent. So there isn't that sort of obsession with where a company is based. There's much more of a focus on can it do the job and... You mentioned difficulties that they've had in, in certain areas, particularly Obamacare. Those kind of things matter more than the fact that, the, that they're a British company. The thing about the Obamacare problem is that it's a huge area of business that's not going to go away anytime soon. So there still is room for growth in, in that area.
1: Bob, the services sector is such a dominant part of, of the British economy. Would any
0: of these be in your portfolio, do you think? Serco has the great potential to be in an enormous recovery play, but uh, you, I'm not sure I'd want to be in there until I see some um, uh, some evidence of that recovery. In many ways, it's a bet on the um, on its chief executive, Rupert Soames, who has a huge reputation for what he did at a Greco. If, if you believe in Rupert Soames, you would you might possibly back Serco. Balfour Beatty, uh, I, I, you can't back a company at the moment that just every quarter comes out with a profit warning.
1: Well, that's fair enough. and There's plenty to watch for there. Oh, uh, Let's move on. That's the hard work. But what about the guesswork? Mergers and acquisitions have been described as the lifeblood of markets. And if that's the case, we're probably in hyperactive territory right now. Deirdre Hipwell, you're our mergers and acquisitions correspondent. I mean, is this latest flurry of, of, of in the deal market, is it very frothy or is it a sign of better things to come?
2: Well, it's quite hard to say at the moment. I mean, it's definitely summer madness or, you know, bankers would argue it's a long overdue return to form. But the one thing that is clear is that the transactions are coming thick and fast. I don't think since the boom period of, you know, the the dot-com boom in 2000 or before the most recent um, recession have we seen such a flurry of activity. Um, Figures from Thomson Reuters showed that um, in July that there was, you know, just over 400 billion dollars worth of deals announced or completed and i mean it's every sector it's not just one particular sector i mean obviously healthcare has in the past two years been extremely active we've had teva doing one of the biggest deals to buy the generics arm of of alagan and a 40 billion transaction but we're seeing it in every sector we're seeing it in retail consumer industrials obviously shelby g was another big deal i mean it wasn't announced in july but it's it's one of the biggies this year um, and it just seems that we're kind of back in a in a golden era, um, you know, bankers, um, which <laughs> in some respects should worry us, um, are talking about this being a vintage time to invest. And it's interesting we've been talking about the U.S. because obviously they've been a big driver of uh, U.S. companies have been a big driver of this uh, most recent M&A boom, partly because of, you know, foreign exchange, favorable foreign exchange rates. But they've obviously been investing heavily in Europe and they think now's the time to do it. What's the
1: view on Wall Street, Alex?
3: I think that, that people are beginning to ask questions. We've just seen in the latest development, the activist investor Bill Ackman has just announced that he's built a 5.5 billion stake in the food company Mondelez, which um, used to be Kraft and then spun off its Kraft food business for North America. That company split itself in two, and now Bill Ackman has bought a big stake and saying it should join back up together again, um, questioning really the whole basis of, of, of that sort of spin-off and the subsequent purchase of Kraft by Hines. So my question to Deirdre would be is, is, is this deal-making for deal making's sake, just to generate income for the bankers? Because we seem to be going round and round, particularly with this example of a company splitting up and then to be joined back together again.
2: Well, I mean, there's two camps. Obviously, Patrick Hosking, our financial editor, uh, said last week in a column that you know deal worship is a mistake, and that we're prone to repeat the mistakes of the past because we keep believing that M&A transactions can completely transform a company, as opposed to you know good old-fashioned org- organic growth. And M and A bankers, you know, by you know the very nature of what they do, obviously they are always looking for the deal. But what is interesting about this recent boom is, is it's not a hundred percent clear what is driving it. There's no one reason. You know, some people could argue that it's fears of a you know rising interest rates at, towards the end of the or next year, and people want to do deals now, or they've got you know big piles of cash, low finance costs. You know, it could simply be pent-up activity. And as you you point to activist investors, obviously shareholders are... There's been a perceptible change of mood among shareholders and they want companies to be more active. They don't just want cash returns or share buybacks. They want transformative action. And I think that that is partly driving it. And then finally, obviously, we're seeing consolidation in various industries. You're seeing it in insurance, you know, RSA led by the former RBS man Stephen Hester is obviously poised for a potential bid from from Zurich and obviously in the industrial sector we're seeing a fair bit of consolidation so I think it's hard to pin it on one exact cause
0: And I do wonder whether it's a, an issue of, uh, sort of bargain valuations I mean there's a uh interventionist uh, uh, shareholders coming into the onto the registers of uh, Rolls-Royce and Smith's Group. I mean, this is the, the same people, Value Act, from the West Coast, uh, because these are two companies which uh, they are potentially ripe for break-up, not necessarily for takeover, but for, for, for break-up and a, a, as a group, uh, as two distinct groups, you, you wonder whether they're actually, their shares are undervalued.
2: Yes, and also Smith's Group's just about to get a new CEO and, yeah. and I think CFO, so obviously people believe something could happen there. And interesting speaking to bankers, you know, within that kind of sector, you know, people are looking at Cobham they think that that could be a a company that's vulnerable or needs some sort of transformative change Um, but speaking of valuations it depends on what sector you're in because you know there are some bankers starting to think that the market in parts is getting frothy one sector that is being mentioned quite a bit is the food sector which is quite interesting the valuations that some food companies are trading on now are are at historic highs for example and not to single out this company it's a very good company but Cranswick which you know produces pork bacon and the like you know historically it's traded at about five times you know EBITDA and it's now currently at a multiple of 10 or 11 times EBITDA and you just do wonder you know why that sector is being valued so high is it just what the market is doing is it what the management team's doing so I think you know investors and bankers and company CEOs need to be very careful about what they're doing and what price they're
1: paying. Alex over on Wall Street I mean which way do you think the wind is blowing is this the top of the market or is it really going to be a, a promising autumn? Well, it's not been a
3: promising first half to the year, so um, I wouldn't hold your breath on that. And I, I think there are a few people who would expect a promising autumn. I'm just looking at projections from FactSet, which collects company earnings data, and um, they are not predict- predicting any earnings growth. In fact, they're predicting a, a decline in earnings for the third quarter. Just looking at the second quarter, um, there's been a... So far, the companies that have reported, there's been an overall earnings decline of more than 1%. So, American companies have been hampered to an enormous extent by the stronger dollar, which has really eaten into their earnings in a way that um, few have foreseen. And they can counter that through and bolster up their share price through cost cutting and buybacks. But there comes a point where they can't do that anymore. That may mean that that will just add, feed into this merger mania because there's there's few other places for them to go to drive
1: growth. Alex, thanks very much for that. And of course, you can keep up to date with all the twists and turns in the M&A market, as well as those company results and the other financial news on the pop-up Business Now live blog. That's on our website. And if you are a Times subscriber, you can sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. That's for everything you need to know wherever you are. And if you don't have a subscription, there's still a special £1 offer. You'll find that by going to thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, well, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Alexandra Freen, Robert Lee and Deirdre Hitwell. they're all on Twitter, so do please follow them. We'll be back next week, so do join us then. And thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.